The following is rated not safe for work. It contains strong language, adult situations, and lots and lots of spoilers. Discretion is advised. In the criminal justice system, cinematic-based offenses are considered especially heinous. The dedicated attorneys who investigate these villainous films are members of an elite squad known as the Reels of Justice. These are their stories. Order, please, order. The Reels of Justice is now in session. Judge Maynard Bangs the presiding. The odd eyes for the Honorable Judge Bangs. Be seated. Welcome to the Reels of Justice. Today we are hearing the case of the Manchurian Candidate, 1962, versus the Ipcris File. The Manchurian Candidate is a political thriller about a Korean War veteran who was brainwashed by the communists and returns to the United States to unwittingly assassinate a presidential nominee. The Ipcris File is a 1965 spy film about Agent Harry Palmer, played by Michael Caine, who uncovers a plot to kidnap and brainwash several of Britain's top scientists. For those of you unfamiliar with our court proceedings in civil cases like this, the counsel appointed to represent each film will present their case for why their client is the superior movie. And ultimately, the jury will render its verdict as to which is the better film. The decision will hereby stand in all rankings and listicles from now on until the end of time ad infinitum. Mr. Big Ben Haslar, you are appearing on behalf of the Manchurian Candidate, a.k.a. Mancan, which must make you the Mancan man with the Mancan plan. Love it. You may present your opening statement. Ladies and gentlemen of the court, distinguished colleague, the Ipcris file is notable for perhaps two reasons. The first is it's sort of a subdued take on James Bond, where a hero is in, instead of gambling in lavish casinos and drinking nonstop martinis, he's working in fluorescent bulb lit offices and makes his own coffee. The second is that it stars Michael Caine, who is, you know, he's good in everything he does. It's a film worth taking a peek at before you're hurried off into your next film as kind of a fun pit stop. I realized later, however, that this film is not very lovable. Some films are lovable and some films are not lovable. If Chris File is not lovable. Oh, but Manchurian Candidate is very lovable. You can't believe how lovable the whole damn thing is. All throughout the film, Old Blue Eyes is lovable. Lawrence Hardy is lovable. Angela Lansbury is lovable. The scenes were lovable. The plot was lovable. Everything was lovable. From the characters to the brainwashing plot themselves, the Manchurian Candidate is playing with a stacked deck of all queens, dealing a five-of-a-kind royal flush every time. Its villains are diabolical. The betrayals detected sting, and the performances are grand. Ipcris File features Michael Caine buying mushrooms in a grocery store, even if, as he says, the button mushrooms give it better flavor. Oh, man, my Michael Caine needs work. <laughs> but today it was Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah, that was Scottish. Sean Connery. That was Sean Connery. What's going on? Well, the, the button mushrooms give it better flavor. <laughs> should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. <laughs> today in this courtroom, we shall prove that the Manchurian Candidate is the smartest, sharpest, most wonderful film I have ever seen in my entire life. Wow. <laughs> Lovable. Lovable. Save that to the end. Save it for the end, right? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Aslar. Appearing on behalf of the Ipcris file is Professor Jeremy Black. Jeremy, please present your opening statement. Thank you very much. Distinguished judges, uh, members of the public. Both of these are good films. And as is normal on Reels of Justice, we don't help ourselves or the audience in pretending that one is 
terrible and the other one isn't. Both of them are good films. Both of them have stood the, te uh, the test of time. Each differently have been revived. Um, the Manchurian Candidate, another film version has been made. The Ipcris File, they've just had a six-parter uh, television version on British television. And they reflect, I suppose, um, at the same period, they were made very closely together, but different moods. And I think what we're going to hear today is the different moods. And, you know, the, the, the judges, jury, listeners will obviously decide which one they prefer. Oh, thank you. Very well said. Uh, Mr. Haslar, uh, you may proceed with your first exhibit. Uh, yes, I, I do agree that they are different moods, uh, which I think Ipcris file is like sort of a fun experiment in being that different take on Bond where, you know, instead of being this lavish cool guy, he's just doing, you know, every workaday sort of stuff and none of the locations that they shoot in are all that interesting. They're just, you know, normal, every street London. Uh, as the movie opens it sort of sets the different tones where michael kane like he acts as if he's never been nearsighted before and this ear piercing alarm clock is like going on for a full minute before he turns it off and then it gives you a very detailed uh tutorial on how to make french press coffee if you've never made it before it's done throughout the entire credits uh whereas by the time the Manchurian candidates where those opening credits have rolled. We have already established our army troop. We've seen them get captured and we, we see them return home uh, without knowing what happened, setting up the right questions that they want you to ask. Uh, after the credits in Ipcris file, Harry Palmer, he's making his bed and we see a girl's necklace and his handgun twisted in the sheets. And we have no idea how this happens, uh, but uh, nor yeah, does it no ever. Idea come up again because that's really not the kind of life he lives it's really i don't think you should have i don't think we should have you know girl's necklace in the bedroom and then no it doesn't come up again i think this is supposed to be a clean show please <laughs> but it, well, i mean I, it just leaves me wondering because like for the rest of the film like this is not his life you know he's not he's not losing his gun in the bed sheets he's just working in offices and and doing legwork and being maybe a bit insubordinate he also claims to be a bit of a gourmand although we clearly see him get eggshells in his omelets so they're not taking the time to sort of establish uh this this character i think that the way they may have done it in the book although i i will admit they i haven't read it he Reason likes his omelets crunchy uh <laughs> jeremy do, do you uh speak at all to this sort of uh presentation of harry palmer well, several things. I, I, I'll say one or two things about Manchurian candidates in a second. But the Harry Palmer one, first of all, I think the Ipcris file is very British of that period. Um, and it is a Britain that is moving from very class ridden to a, as it were, classless hero. So um, Michael Caine is that. It's a kind of Saturday night, Sunday morning kind of plot. Um, and it very much reflects, as it were, our movement into the 60s. So that element of it, it also reflects, I know this might sound silly, but the French press coffee would have been extraordinarily unusual at that time, and it's <laughs> suggesting a kind of cosmopolitanism. But I mean, more to the point, the music is excellent. I think that there is a generally good cast of actors and the relationship between the two senior people in the Secret Service is handled well. And in contradiction to this remark, there's no sex in it. I think the exact opposite is the case. Um, 
Harry Palmer is shown having a relationship with a woman in his office, a widow, and that is considerably more realistic than the absolutely ludicrous relationship between Sinatra and Janet Lee in The Manchurian Candidate, in which, what, she meets him once, he looks like... <laughs> Death warmed up, whereupon she gives her fiance back the ring. I mean, the whole thing is. Hey, pathetic. it's all blue eyes. Everyone loves all blue no, no, eyes. No, 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 no. It it's ridiculous. There <laughs> is a degree, if you look at the sex aspect in the Ipcris file, there is a sultriness there that is actually quite sort of Italian or French in its influence, whereas the American one is totally wholesome. They have a relationship, but you don't see any sex. Um, and it's it's all part of a film that in some respects, it, it, as I said, it's a different mood. The Ipcris file is dark in a way in which you don't know who is the baddie or who is the goodie for a long while between the two senior members of the Secret Service. And even after you discover that, you're not sure whether, in fact, what they what uh, the colonel was doing was justified. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Manchurian candidate ends with a pat speech to camera, which is just, you know, fine for 10-year-olds, but is not for mature people. <laughs> and the villains, I mean... The senator, uh, senator. Uh, before we get into the villains, I want to throw it back to Mr. Hassler to either okay. respond to the the okay. two different relationships in the movie or or bring up another point if you like. Uh, I will. I will grant you that uh, Janet Lee, like falling for blue eyes out of nowhere, that's that's my one issue with it. But every other relationship uh, does, I think, stand out very well, particularly with Angela Lansbury, who's just you know this. You know this person. You know this person who's just interested in herself and elevating herself up, and sort of is, she pretends to care for her family, but it's really just to elevate herself up. And you see the twisted way she gets her hold on her husband and her son in in the way that she does this and and it, towards the end it just gets absolutely heartbreaking uh when we kind of learn that she's involved in it the spoilers but that was thrown at the beginning there's nothing in Icarus file i think that hits that level of of painstaking uh stakes so you're saying the reveal of angela lansbury as the baddie is more powerful than the reveal that uh the uh not the colonel he wasn't the colonel he, uh, uh yeah Albie. I can't remember his rank. Yeah, Dolby. I think he's a major. Major, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeremy, do you like to speak to that? Uh, between the, you were about to talk about the villains. Between the the reveal of the two villains in each film. Well, I think Angela Land. I mean, I think she plays it very well in an amusing fashion. But again, she's overacted, isn't she? I mean, it's all painted with no real subtlety. And in fact, one of the characters, I think Dr. Lowe, King Ding, or however he pronounces his name, refers to Dr. Fu Manchu. I mean, it is a Fu Manchu kind of film. And Fu Manchu was coming out yet again. There were more films in that genre of that period. You know, it's fine. It, it, it's, oh, it's completely over the top. And I think if you like that, and it's it's fine. Lawrence Harvey, good actor, but again, plays it totally over the top. And I do, I just found it all a bit ridiculous. But I mean, it was an amusing take. Um, it was, I thought, um, you know, as a film noir, I prefer my film noir a bit the American type, a bit darker and a bit more criminal. Here we were supposed to imagine that some halfwit senator um, it was going to be made uh, was going to be made sort of president in effect. Um, and I just it just didn't didn't wash to me. 
Um, you know, that's a personal reflection. Just one very quick thing. I did have the disadvantage of watching it with my wife, who is a psychiatrist, and she told me it was absurd. She said, and I took notes, because she's oh. done hypnosis to help people with things like throat cancer, trying to get them to speak, you know, when they haven't got a voice box. And she said... Um, 10% can be easily hypnotized, but 10% can't be hypnotized. She said that the idea that you could hypnotize an entire patrol was absolutely absurd. And she said, if you do hypnotize somebody to do something they really don't want to do, like shooting the mascot, they will snap out of it. And she said it was a, you know, an exaggerated account I've written of, of post-hypnotic suggestion. So, you know, that wouldn't have worried the audience uh, yeah. at all, but it was a disadvantage <laughs> for me trying to take seriously what I was told was rubbish. Mr. Hassler, we have expert testimony <laughs> here. Expert that testimony. The, that the hypnotism in, in Mancan may be a little uh, shady. What do you have to say about that? Well, I watched the film uh, Ipcris File with my cat and he said it was the best sleep he ever had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's Let's compare the brainwashing. Because um, in the Ipcris file, uh, the brainwashing is sort of suggested maybe midway through. We don't even really know where the plot is going. Uh, whereas in Manchurian Canada, it's it's front and center. It's, it's, yeah, it's established true. as a suspension of disbelief early on in the film. So you build everything off from that. Whereas... In the Ipcris file, like it's sort of everyday, work a day sort of thing halfway through. And then all of a sudden, this weird sci fi plot comes out of nowhere and they're zooming in and out of cheese claws and doing like sci fi noises, like from Star Trek and stuff. It's it's very jarring as far no, as no, no. setting that's, up. That's what you try and do if you're trying to break somebody's mind. You disorient, you try and disorientate them. I mean, what they're showing is how you try and um, brainwash somebody. Interestingly enough, in the Manchurian Candidate, and I thought the passage with the women's meeting was really quite witty. I thought that was really very witty. What you don't see, and this isn't a criticism, it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. What you don't see in the Manchurian candidate is how they brainwash them. What you see is the result of them being brainwashed. Mm -hmm. And the idea is this shows how evil these people are, because it can persuade a decent American to, in one case, strangle somebody else, and in one case, shoot somebody else. And you're supposed to think, this is terrible. Well, it is terrible, but it's all a bit over the over the top. On the other hand, what you could say is, you know, that kind of cheesy plot is about right for audiences that had seen films like Dracula meets Billy the Kid. You know, it's in a <laughs> sense another stage of the same kind of thing. Frightened me to a certain extent. <laughs> I, I think that them not showing the brainwashing like leads to this advantage because there's like sort of a, a level of mystery as to how they do it. They know if they showed it, like, you know, all the army people like strapped up to chairs or something, people might find it a bit unbelievable. Whereas the scene that they do set up where they're like kind of switching in in between people's perspectives, uh, where yeah, we do see clever. the communists and the ladies uh, talking. Yeah, no, that's very clever. I liked that. I thought that was one of the strongest uh, sections in the film. The court agrees. I I assume, by the way, that, I mean, all films are edited, so, you know, I'm sure, but I assume that they, you know how that they get rid of the body servant, as it were, the valet, Lawrence mm. Harvey's valet, the senator, he sort of plays a major role and then he sort of disappears. And I assume what they've the done... The blue eyes put the pound on him. <laughs> well, yeah, but they, but they didn't kill him. 
and I and I assume what happens is they decided to develop that character and then sort of dropped him and in fact put Angela Lansbury more prominently from then on and that works it doesn't you know I'm not saying that as a criticism it's just interesting as it flows I mean on the Ipcris fire what's rather extraordinary is the idea that that very well manicured individual the you know was an Albanian I mean that was pretty ridiculous as well you know there are ridiculous elements in both in both films um, yes stipulated <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like if chris is uh an abbreviation of induction of psychoneuroses by condition re- reflexes under stress you know <laughs> instead of ipcrus which still spells if chris i don't know why they didn't just do <laughs> under, under it yes um and and what's confusing to me is like it's under stress that he gets hypnotized but he's using stress as a way of breaking the hypnosis because he's causing himself pain uh in order to distract himself from being hypnotized but yeah, wouldn't that, that would work actually sticking a nail or part you know sharpened part of a bed spring in yourself would actually work like that because it actually the physical pain takes over from the mental suggestion i mean um no i mean i thought it was in, as i said i think they're both interesting films and to just indicate to you that i'm not some kind of time warp individual <laughs> i i i i mean you know, i'd obviously saw it when i you know um, years ago in the 60s I then re-saw again for the second time Funeral in Berlin. And interestingly enough, I had remembered Funeral in Berlin as a film I preferred to The Ipcris File. But watching them again, both, I actually thought that The Ipcris File worked better than Funeral in Berlin. And I think partly it's because it's poised nicely as social commentary on Britain in that period. Now, it's not a a criticism of the Manchurian candidate to observe that it's not really about social criticism. It's about political criticism. It's about criticism of McCarthyism. It's about a call for a sort of Republican Party that doesn't have a, you know, a Birch Society side to it. It's, it's, you know, it's it's a sort of Rockefeller Republicanism they're calling for. And that's not so it's a political point. The British one. It's fascinating to see these, you know, the the class system, as it were, still there, but being chipped away at by and around Kane, the Harry Palmer character. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, it might mean that it doesn't work for a foreign audience, which has no particular reason to be interested in the British class system and its history. So I think that, you know, as I said, there are different moods here that, that are and are different themes in these two. They're both about, um, as it were, playing with people's minds in order to further a conspiracy, but they are they have got very different settings in which that is done. Mr. Hassler, I'd like to throw it back to you to continue on uh, whatever points you may have remaining. Um. I would like to talk about the cinematography because I think that this is the one point whereas Manchurian Candidate doesn't necessarily shine on this uh, category. Uh, Ipcris File definitely does not. It's completely blocked all the time with all these random objects. He's like, it's like he just got this like small camera and like I can shoot through window panes all of a sudden. So you'll have like fist fights like shot through a car window and the window is like taking half of the view uh there's dutch angles and there's shooting through windshields drum symbols up people's noses uh there's like (laughs) this big red cross uh from a telephone booth that's again blocking half the shot uh 
Whereas Manchurian Candidate, I thought did have one that did mirror that where uh, one character enters his apartment and we shoot through a window pane and it's all broken. That's because we knew there was a fight there that uh, that Frank Sinatra had with uh, that baddie we were mentioning earlier. I, I liked the shot in the Manchurian Candidate at the section of the thing where Lawrence Harvey is proposing, you know, at the very end in the convention. I thought that was very interesting. I mean, it was a sort of, you know, expressionist thing, him up up at the top and the light coming through from there and the slit. I thought that was very good. I mean, yeah, the Chris File, it's interesting. So for example, I was very taken positively by Kane going back uh, to the apartment and you know where he's going to find the body and the shot is from above the light coming that down. one worked i will grant you you know and you know i thought that i mean there are bits of the Ipcris file which yeah i mean i thought were could have been done differently let's just put it like that <laughs> um, but actually it's very interesting as you correctly said uh it was in a way made by many people associated with the bond franchise not least saltzman for example but i thought actually in many respects and i'm a james bond fan i actually thought it was rather better in its shooting because it's using london as a set in a way that is much more gritty you know there is broken down buildings there is you know, there is the dirt and grunge and at the same time snobbery of, mm. of Britain. There's, you know, the colonel feeding the pigeon food to the pigeons. There's, you know, the the uh, the major and the colonel and the cup of tea. And there there's the the woman who uh, who mans the office and has got a cigarette permanently sticking out her mouth. That it was so Britain, England, London of the 1960s. And I think much of the audience would have been able to identify with that. This is what's going on round us, um, down from the scene at the beginning where, you know, you're going towards the railway station and then the, you know, the, the killing at the railway station. Whereas, I mean, I don't know, the, it's not a criticism to say that the Manchurian candidate is a bit like the Philadelphia story wanders into politics. Everybody <laughs> is extraordinarily, you know, the, the senatorial background is very wealthy there are people by the lake there are you know it's an opulent america um and a, a very um you know there's the conspiracy there and this is all sinister but the assumption is get rid of the conspiracy and america will be just fine and dandy which may be what? <laughs> you know, no, telling us that's we'll see. the assumption in the film, whereas the assumption in the Ipcris file is, and I think you were right to say in some respects it's a more disturbing film, the assumption is you get rid of the rotten, crooked major and it's still a society which has innumerable problems. Mm -hmm. mm. It's almost like they're setting up for a series, though, where they like he, they want him always going up against bureaucracy. <laughs> and I also think that the fact, the relationship, the sexual relationship in the Ipcris file between uh, the widow and um, Harry Palmer is distinctly, and who is she working for and who is she reporting to? It's, you know, and is she having sex to basically file a report? It's distinctly more adult in many respects than you know the rather naff um um uh, relationships shown between lawrence harvey and the girl he then marries and then murders 
and mm. Frank Sinatra and the woman he you know is um he forms a kind of Doris Day kind of love affair with you know sort of no sex please but let's all look at each other in a kind of lingering fashion um and I I you know I, they're st- they're for different moods I think they're very different moods the Chris Farley is a more adult one the Manchurian Candidate is a brilliant film for children who want to believe that all <laughs> evil comes from sinister Chinaman and not Nasty-looking Russians. Well, what, do you have to say? <laughs> what do you have to say to that, Mr. Hassler? <laughs> My cat slept through that one, too, so it's not for cats either. Um, but I think the point I want to hang my hat on is the performances, because I think that that's the queen of diamonds to Ipcris's two of clubs. Uh, I fully admit that Michael Caine delivers a decent one. Uh, and to some extent, as boss does, the one that turns up evil. I don't oh, know that dude. the other one does. Uh, His co-star in Zulu. But nobody else does. Everyone else is a bit unmemorable. His paramour is just sort of bored when Palmer, you know, like catches up to her in his place. Uh, the villain doing the brainwashing. Don't you think that's a very uh, adult thing as a matter of interest, though? To be don't bored? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Don't you think that's very adult? Instead of protect, <laughs> protecting. If I broke into like someone's place and they opened the door for me, I'm, I'm not just sitting there. there. Anyway, God, God, sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and the, the villain doing the brainwashing, uh, he acts like he's in a board meeting the whole time. Uh, but in The Manchurian Candidate, we have Sinatra's haunted face when he's on the train trying to make sense of all these holes in his, all of his experiences. Or the way he coolly confronts Shaw at the end with his deck of 52 queens. Uh, Janet Lee uh, shares that train scene with Sinatra, I think, on equal footing, although I grant you her motivations for just like leaving her fiancé for no reason is a little bit out there. But the, the, the conversation between those two, I think, is one for the pedestal of acting uh, we have Lawrence Hardy convincingly playing someone who is unlovable but perfectly exposes why when he interacts with his mother and you see this tight hold she has on him and of course my queen of hearts there is Angela Lansbury she just knocks this role absolutely out of the park you watch this film and you'll be remembering these performances for at least a month whereas I think in Ipcris like those two characters I, I cited are the only two I I'm, I remember um on that the that's uh, interesting. I mean I, I that's interesting I do think actually the it's very interesting that because I think the colonel and the major and the understated way of nature of their rival in fact I watched it twice once with Sarah and once you know I rewatched it twice once with a chap I was um about a few years younger than me who I taught and who I'm friends with and he said to me, it was fascinating, the talk, the, the, the section when uh, the colonel and the major, who have really been competing with each other, they then talk about going off to lunch at the club and the Dover Soul is rather good. And he pointed out to me, that's exactly the sort of conversation you might still have uh, in London clubland. You know, it's very <laughs> fine, it's very finely observed. And it's, and it's part of the problem of working out who is the villain, which, of course, they recur to in Funeral in Berlin. I don't want to give, well, why not give it away? In Funeral in Berlin, again, it is, you know, Palmer gets mixed up in something which is bigger than him, in which it's unclear who is the villain. And in a sense, 
the play acting between everybody captures some real psychological realities. Now, the Angela Lansbury, you know, she acts well, but it's the kind of psychological reality of maybe psycho. I mean, it's not the real world. It's the sort of weird people in hotels that you get, you wander into in some disastrous thing. Nobody is, would have survived you know, with her, that couple, you know, the, the husband and the, um, and the uh, and Angela Lansbury, it just wouldn't have happened um, in in the political world. The very fact that MacArthur was destroyed, uh, not MacArthur, you know, um, the McCarthy, McCarthy was destroyed politically when he had a go at the at the military. Was I thought an exactly interesting count, whereas. This one is, it, it's about an American nightmare, really. And as a nightmare of the mid 60s, it's fascinating. But I don't think it takes you much beyond the realms of nightmare. And I think it's particularly interesting that none of the villains are credible. Angela Lansbury isn't credible. As a possessive mother, um, in a sense, destroying her son, she's not really credible. Um, and the foreigners, I don't think, are credible either. Um, and I just would have preferred, I mean, I, a, more, a bit more maturity. But then on the other hand, they're trying to produce a mass film and they have this marvellous sentiment at the end where we're all supposed to rise to our feet and applaud, as Sinatra tells us, <laughs> how we ought to behave. And, you know, you can see that, whereas the old... Britain is there with sinking cynicism. So I can understand the American. It's, it's the kind of mentality which helped to explain why America went into the Vietnam War, the Manchurian candidate. So if you think that the Vietnam War is a good thing for America to have got involved in, then I think you should vote for the Manchurian candidate. If on the other hand, you know, um, you feel somewhat resistant to President Trump's characterization of Europeans as awful people, um, then you maybe should uh, vote for the Icarus file. Oh, Next wow. Uh, 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 Mr. Hassler, do you have anything uh, before no, you no, rest? I will, I will close on the performances. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy, do you have any additional points you'd like to make before you rest? I would like to say that I think the music is very good in the Icarus file. And John Barry. Yeah. Who, uh, who he did the first 11 Bond films, right? Yeah, I just think it's very good. And I think it helps to set the tone and the kind of insinuating way in which you get into this idea that here is a society that is trying to modernize in part. All right. Well, both sides have rested their cases. The attorneys will now present their closing arguments. Mr. Hanslar, you may begin. Tell you what, guys, uh, my closing argument is kind of boring. Uh, so why don't you all play some solitaire to pass the time? <laughs> now listen to me you are getting very sleepy focus only on the sound of my voice you will obey my voice and trust me implicitly listen to me when i snap my fingers you will all awaken go into that jury room and deliver a verdict in favor of the manchurian candidate listen to me you will also think that ben is your best friend and that mm. you want to send him all your toho merchandise you have from the criterion sets to the original vhs tapes to the thousands of dollars worth of collectibles you want to bump his weekly recommendations to the top of your list even when they're hard to find like it's a summer film you will proclaim him the best cinephile there ever was listen to me you will do these steps in order and you will do it now 
Oh, must have, uh, you should be you should be on the so, um, I thought Sinatra uh, yeah, Jeremy you may uh, present your closing argument yeah. as well um, I thought Sinatra was very good and I thought it showed what a great range he has that he can play so many different roles um, I think that nobody is to blame for the script they're given I, th- I felt that he was given a rather simplistic script I thought Kane, who has produced some terrible films in his career, usually it's because the script has been rubbish. I think, as it was, for example, for The Billion Dollar Brain, the third of that sequence. But I think in The Ipcris File, he was given a very good script, which argued to a society on the edge, confronting the, as it were, obsolescence of much of the old order, and an engagement with a modernity, whether in music or making coffee, which it couldn't cope with. Uh, although he does know how to make an, uh, an omelette, uh, which would have made him very different to most British men of that period, um, or the, even this age. Um, I think that I would say that without, um, without wishing any particular harm to the Manchurian <laughs> candidate, I mean, it's, you know, it's a reasonable film of its type. I found it too simplistic. I like it's billed as film noir. I like my film noir a bit more noir. Um, and from that point of view, I felt that in the Ipcris file, not knowing till quite late what is going on actually worked better for me personally. And I would suggest would work better for quite a few of the audience. Well, thank you both. Members of the jury, Mr. Maynard Bangs, Mr. Dylan J. Schlender, and the kindest, warmest, bravest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life, Ryan Luis Rodriguez. You have all heard the facts concerning this case. It is now up to you to determine which is the superior movie. The bailiff will escort you to the deliberation room to render your verdict. I think I'm all right with brainwashing. I've often been told I have a dirty mind. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You do, bailiff, you do. Fantastic case, two great movies, two great lawyers. Uh, you know, it kind of put me in a mind of the Long Good Friday episode we did with Jeremy, where I think in that episode, Jeremy did a very good job of contextualizing the movie and how it fit into British society. Because when I was watching it, Chris File, I think I was missing some of that context. So him able to backfill that was really good. I think Ben brought up a lot of good points that I agreed with about the Manchurian candidate as well. So we have two good cases here to discuss. Uh, Ryan, what, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I think that Manchurian Candidate is a great movie, whereas Ipcrest File is a good movie. Okay. Uh, like Manchurian Candidate is the granddaddy of paranoid political thrillers and not noir. It's definitely a political thriller. And that's, that's my kind of pulp. I love that stuff. Whereas Ipcrest File, I lost interest a couple times. I actually got up and did some chores uh just like michael kane did i paused it but i did some chores uh and uh the thing that i found really interesting is that i found the brainwashing in manchurian candidate for all its convolution somewhat plausible because we didn't we didn't get to see how they did it so we can't say that it's science fiction whereas ipcris file has a literal brainwashing box that you step into and it becomes less psychological and more science fiction. 
And it's a weird tonal shift to go from this uh, more real world spy movie into flat out science fiction. All right, uh, Maynard, what, what are you thinking about the case, about the movies? Uh, I agree with you as far as the, the comparison to like when we did uh, Long Good Friday and Lockstock. We have movies with similar subject matter that are have different moods, different frames, and yeah. like they're very different feeling movies. Um, I do agree Manchurian Candidate's really over the top, whereas Ipcris File is a lot more subdued. Um, uh, what I liked about the uh, Ipcris File was that it was kind of like a Bond light. And so if you really like the Bond films, it's, it's an interesting look at this other agent who is you know, not as big and flashy as Bond. He doesn't necessarily save the world. He saves the day. Uh, of course, Kane is excellent, um, but I do have to agree with Ben that uh, everyone else kind of leaves my mind quickly. I mean, I know the roles they had, but like that's basically a lead. That's a production led by its leading man, whereas yeah. I think Manchurian Kennedy is much more about its ensemble. There's a lot of great performances. And yes, they're over the top, but the movie was over the top. So they colored it in uh, just fine. Uh, the beginning scene with the women's like flower club where it would keep cutting back to what the hypnotized men would see, where they thought it was, uh, you know, old women in a flower club, cutting back to it really being a room full of communists who had brainwashed them was brilliant. I wish the film had kind of kept doing it. Like I, I I, I'm going to interrupt because I agree 100%. That was the strongest part of Manchurian Candidate. And for them to kind of just leave top load the movie with that, uh, you get the end where the banners flaring up and that's a great shot, but yeah, that's, that's it for me. Like yeah. I expected Angela Lansbury when she was giving her, her son uh, orders later to actually be one of the communist uh, hypnotizers who had just simply made him like a suggestion that it was. Oh, Lansbury. That's clever. Yeah, that's yes. And that, that it's same thing with the, the weird girlfriend who had left him, right. It, and, and even moments when he's talking to Sinatra, like you're not actually talking to Sinatra. You're talking to, uh, you know, one of the commies who's been giving you stuff. Now he knows your weakness. He knows this girl you were in love with for a year. Now you're going to start getting orders from your girlfriend um, mm -hmm. because we know these are the people you trust and will obey. And they left all of that on the table. They really um, did. Yeah. And the other I stuff agree. I didn't like about Manchurian Candidate, if you look at the goals, right, the goal of the Ipcris file was to brainwash scientists into no longer being scientists it's accomplishable it's doable it's a it's a practical way to eliminate these resources uh within the british army you look at the manchurian candidates plan one even if it went off without a hitch and and this guy assassinated that nominee he's getting caught and we are not going to nominate the father of the assassin. And he's certainly not going to go through and win a general election. He's going to lose really badly. Yeah, they could have picked anyone else in the world to make their, their, their assassin. And this was the worst choice. And I think Jeremy brought up a good point because this senator was clearly modeled after McCarthy. And when McCarthy did go after... The army, that's where that famous line that took him down is like, have you no sense of decency, sir? You know, is what the, uh, I think it was the solicitor general, I forget his name, said to McCarthy. And that destroyed his career. And this guy already yelled at the army guy at the beginning with Frank Sinatra, and that didn't destroy him. So when Jeremy was describing this as like, oh, this is a political nightmare. It's like, yes, it is a nightmare because we saw some of this bad stuff actually play out in real life. 
And these people got no traction. Like he was talking about the Birch Society being expelled from the Republican Party. Like that happened. You know what I mean? So it is like this worst case scenario, but it's a couple of years too late, <laughs> like just yeah. historically. So I thought that was a very good point uh, Jeremy made, which, you know, makes sense because he's a historian. So <laughs> well, here's some more from Ryan. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I think this is this is John Frankenheimer at his peak. Jingleheimer Schmidt? Think- Yes, Jingleheimer Schmidt, exactly. <laughs> like this is a this is a fertile period for him because he has this seconds and uh, Birdman of Alcatraz, mm. which is uh, not exactly a thematic trilogy. Although seconds is definitely a paranoid thriller, but yeah, I mean, like I I, I guess I see the the faults that you guys are bringing up, but it's not enough to sway me. So I'm gonna go Manchurian Candidate. Okay, I respect that, Maynard. What are you thinking? Um, as much as I loved the big stuff from Manchurian Candidate, I feel like they left ideas on the table. I feel like the, the, you should have never known who was really speaking and who you could have trusted in act two and three. And they never really played on that. The everyone who was speaking actually was them. Like Angela Lansbury actually was a communist. Why? She's like a debutante rich woman. Why would she throw in with the commies? Like (laughs) it, it, you know, her life would have been terrible after that. Uh, and and uh, I really enjoyed Michael Caine as Palmer, and it makes me excited to see the rest of the Harry Palmer movies. I do think that name is a little questionable, though. Uh, Harry yes. Palmer. I, <laughs> they, they should have just called him Jack Hoffer. Right? I mean, that's, <laughs> it's that tasteless of a name. But it makes me excited to see his movie again. And if I'm going to watch one of these movies again, I bet it's Ipcris again that I'll watch. So I'm going to go with Ipcris file. All right. I, OK, so it comes down to me, the foreman. And, you know, I was very 50 50. I love the I, I love spy movies and these kind of thrillers like the lives of others is like one of the best movies ever. And, you know, that's really, you know, you see a lot of like kind of if Chris file in something like that as well. And I'm just looking at the case and I think Jeremy just won the case today. I just think his ability to put these movies in the proper context. Again, it was very redolent of the uh, the Long Good Friday Lockstock episode, which everyone should go back and listen to as well. Between that and this, Jeremy gives you a complete masterclass on like late 1950s, early 1960s Britain. So I'm also going to go with Ipcris by a hair because Manchurian Candidate was very good. Like I would love to read the book, you know, and it did kick off a lot of those political thrillers, which I'm sure we'll talk about more as the show goes on. But uh, I think Jeremy wins the case today and with his points. So that's what I'm going with. So let's go out there and tell that very handsome judge. He's very handsome. Very handsome. Mr. Foreman, have you reached a verdict? We have your honor. In the case of the Manchurian candidate, 1962, versus the Ipcris file, we find in favor of the Ipcris file. The verdict is so rendered. The Ipcris file is the superior movie. I hereby order that the Manchurian candidate be held in isolation without food or water for several days (laughs) and undergo reprogramming until it's a better movie. Court is adjourned. This is Mumbly Mumblerson, Agent Double O Who Cares. Here comes Ben Hessler. Would you care to share your thoughts on the verdict? 
Uh, poor Ben. Poor friendless, friendless Ben. Oh, you know, no. either I uh, had the <laughs> a lawyer ability brainwashed out of me or uh, Jeremy's just that good of a debater uh, because clearly The Manchurian Candidate is the better film. I stand by that point. Uh, but uh, maybe Denzel can save it. No, wait, yeah. that film's worse? Yeah, oh. it's worse. Okay. <laughs> that response was shaken, not stirred, and thoroughly boring. And here comes Jeremy Black. How do you feel about the verdict? I feel that... Um, filmmakers of the Manchurian Candidate, it's what it's almost to be wished that they could have taken that marvellous section at the beginning. I don't mean the stuff in Korea, I mean the stuff with the ladies' uh, flower society, and actually use that for the making of a comedy takeoff of um, espionage films. I think that would have been fascinating and fantastic. And actually, I suspect Sinatra would have enjoyed it immensely. Um, rather like Some Like It Hot is a rather brilliant takeoff of many aspects of the uh, criminal genre, the mafia ones. So I think there are good things in um, The Manchurian Candidate, but for me it didn't add up together. And I can't see myself wanting to watch it another time. Whereas The Ipcris File, I've now watched three times, and each time I watch it, it's the nuances between the candidates, some of which are understated and underplayed, and I like that. And that was definitely missing in Bond. Bond, you know, I'm an admirer of the Bond films, but generally there's no understatement in them. So I think I'd like to thank the judges. Um, I think that they responded to the better of the two films. So thank you very much. And I particularly hope viewers will watch and also listen to the music. I think the music is really good. And I think in many of the films, one of the things we all ought to think about a bit more is the sound effects as well as the visual ones. I guess that was technically a satisfactory answer. Let's go back oh, to the studio man. to brainwash ourselves into thinking any of this matters. <laughs> I love Mumbly. Poor Mumbly. He's so sad for, for whatever reason. Uh, great case, Jeremy. Um, well done, uh, both of you. You, you know really. what, what struck uh, and, and Ben, of course, obviously. Yes. So, but no. Jeremy won, so he was Jer better. That's true. <laughs> uh, but no, good job, Ben. You did a good job, and, and I think you highlighted a lot of stuff that was good on it. Um, uh, but one thing that struck me, you know, when you're talking about Funeral for Berlin, it'd be interesting if we do a Bond Harry Palmer head to head in the future. Maybe we do something Ooh, like from I'm Russia with down. love from Russia with love versus for funeral in Berlin or something. That's a very good idea. Cause they're, I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah. They're they both are... the second films in those series. Right. So. I, I hadn't thought about that. And they have a kind of, yes, there are, there are, that's really, there are. Hey, that's what they pay me for. I have a hey, good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> but, uh, that's very good. Yes. So Jeremy, what, what's been keeping you busy? You're working on uh Several I'm, hundred more I'm books. writing. I've got one film to mention, a new one, mm -hmm. uh, a French one called Murder Party, uh, 2020, 2022, set in oh. the 1950s. It's on release in Britain. I imagine it's on release in America as well. And it's a gentle but rather witty interaction of murder and social and gender nuances. And quote. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I just made that up. Sorry, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. And, and I actually I liked it. It's not going to get you to the edge of the chair, but I mean, your cat will enjoy it as well. I oh, mean, I don't know. 
He's yes. tough, please. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. And, and no, I like it. I like French films. And I particularly like them when they're not trying to be philosophical. And this one isn't trying to be philosophical. Is it in French? So it's subtitled? Yes, I mean, but oh, okay. uh, you know that's not a problem. Some of us can read. read. Well, no, 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 <laughs> because all of the if you watch anything on a computer, you know, either they've already subtitled it for you, or you can press a button and you know, yeah, it's there. That's not, a, that's not a problem. Yeah, no. Have you seen this, Brian? You heard of this one? I've seen the 2007 Murder Party, but I'd never heard of a okay. French one. Yeah, right. just come we'll out. Check that out. I'm sure cool. it's got a French name. You know. Uh, that is not how French, not how French no, Big Ben, we're going to send it over to you. What is your recommendation? What do you got, man? Uh, one of my favorite brainwashing movies would have to be Total Recall, not the 2012 mm. one uh, that no. you already blanked from your memory. Uh, but of course, the one that Arnie hands it up to his Arniest. If you haven't seen this yet, it's a ton of fun. He goes into a memory treatment company only to discover that there's already memories uh, hiding in his brain that he didn't know about. So we follow him going to Mars to confront a corrupt CEO, getting cozy with Mars mutants and partaking in action scene after action scene, each more crazy and bombastic than the last, all while piecing together his lost identity. Get your ass to Mars and check out this one on HBO Max. It's a very popular mutant in that uh in that movie, I played. Oh, yeah. Quato! Quato's the Quay. best. <laughs> Start the reactor. Start the reactor. No, yeah, uh, that's probably my favorite Arnie movie. I think. I think. More than two. I would go Terminator Two, but it's yeah. close. I mean, there's those were a lot of good choices. Predator <laughs> kind of wins for being so simplistic, but the fact that they can drop Arnie into a clever sci-fi film and it remains clever—that's uh, true. <laughs> I guess it's not a bad point. Has a lot of ways to screw that kind of stuff up. Hey, Maynard, you were our judge. So what do you recommend? I, I had a couple, but I, I'll go with one because I was afraid someone was going to take this. But but they didn't. You know, my recommendation this week has a subplot which parodies the Manchurian candidate pretty effectively. And it does this while looking really, really, really good looking. And that's Zoolander from nice. 2021 or 20, 2001. 2001. There's, 2001. There's a second one. Don't watch Space that. Odyssey. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Zoolander from 2001. It's a comedy which does a deep dive into the very shallow world. See what I did there? Of uh, male modeling, which includes a lot more political intrigue than you'd expect. A uh, sinister fashion mogul played by Will Ferrell brainwashes male models to assassinate influential figures. His latest unwitting killer is Derek Zoolander, played by Ben Stiller, who Ferrell dispatches to kill the prime minister of Malaysia triggered by the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song, Relax. It's one of the funniest movies of the 2000s and is infinitely quotable, and that's why it retains a strong following today. I highly doubt many of our listeners haven't seen or heard of this film, but its connection to our discussion today was too powerful to ignore. So Zoolander is currently streaming on Paramount+. Plus. But why male models? Are you kidding? I just explained that. <laughs> Not much to show, that's why. Yeah. No, it's because they were in really good shape uh, and they could get access to anywhere. Access to- <laughs> yeah, that movie is brilliant. But, but don't funny. see the second one, apparently. Ryan says don't see the second one. Yeah, oh. don't, don't. Whatever. I, I will not do it. And because of that, uh, Ryan gets to recommend next. Uh, my recommendation this week also concerns spies in a 1960s setting a recent Steven Spielberg non-blockbuster from 2015 called Bridge of Spies. Now, Tom Hanks is an American lawyer. I know what you're thinking. 
It's a stretch. Tasked <laughs> yeah. with exchanging a Soviet spy for an American shot down over the Soviet Union. And even though it lasts almost two and a half hours and it's mostly just revolving around people sitting in rooms, having enlightening conversations and exquisitely building character, it's one of Spielberg's best. Before pissing it down his leg with Ready Player One, the director was making a series of interesting films about, to quote blank check, people who are good at their jobs. And this is arguably the best of that little run. Bridge of Spies is currently streaming on Freebie, which is allegedly a thing. Huh. Can I say, I've seen Bridge of Spies and I agree with absolutely everything we've just heard. It is a brilliant film. Awesome. One of Hanks's best? Yes, yes. I think yeah. absolutely. Wait, wait till you see Elvis. Oh, God. Oh, no, boo! Not one of his best. <laughs> <laughs> That's due on the show sometime in the future. Uh, the yeah, stay tuned for that. God, I, I don't want to watch it again. No. <laughs> you shouldn't have watched it the first time. My Ben's spidey sense tingled correctly. Ben's cat will never make it through that one. No, Schlenzo, no he's a Milo Notice guy. <laughs> well, okay, thank you, Maynard. Uh, with all this talk of assassinations and conspiracy, how can I not recommend one of my favorites in the genre? And that is 1974's The Parallax View. This movie is peak post-Watergate political thriller, dripping with paranoia and suspense. An intrepid reporter is looking to political assassinations, and of course, it is all a big conspiracy. The movie is a wonderful blend of style and substance with an ending that was clearly inspired by the movies we discussed today. The pessimism of the 70s movies is always fun to revisit, so don't be a sleeper agent on this one and check it out. Yeah, it's on it. Criterion Channel right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's even. It should be in the Criterion Collection. The movie yeah. is. It is very it's brilliant. Ray, yeah, uh, last year, there's very so many good. good like brainwash movies. Like I know we didn't get to mention like Clockwork Orange, right? But Clockwork Orange has got a you know that great brainwash scene and the uh, treatment. Is he uh, is is Mel Gibson brainwashed in Conspiracy Theory? Is that like why no, he, he's uh, just brainwashed all the time. Through. <laughs> <laughs> I meant in the movie, though, Jerry. Yeah, he's just a conspiracy theorist of- in the movie. There's a kind of brainwash in a way, I'm not quite that, in uh, parts of 2001 A Space Odyssey with the, you know, the the way in which uh, they're trying to get, the machine, is the computer, Hull, is trying to get inside their minds and they're trying to get inside Hull's minds. It's really quite interesting in some respects. That bell means we're all out of time. I don't know what that uh, bell no, means. No, there's no, no, you're being summoned to a higher thing. This is the apotheosis of the film. Oh, there oh, it is. Very good. Apotheosis. That's what I'm going to look up. Apotheosis. You right. Oh, um, but yeah, that bell does mean we're all out of show. Uh, but we want to thank our guest, Jeremy Black, for joining us again. Uh, you're always welcome back. We'll have you soon for a couple head to heads, but definitely we'll do that Harry Palmer Bond uh, showdown. Because uh, I always wanted to do From Russia With Love. So that would be a great one uh, with Funeral Berlin. Uh, that'll be a good one to look forward to in the future. Uh, and we have some other ones cooking too. So, so definitely we'll have you back. We always like having you. Excellent. Uh, and stay cool. You are cool, but just stay cool. We're going to stay cool. 100 going on right after we hang up. <laughs> Everyone should definitely stay cool as well. Uh, and join us again next time as the reels of justice keep turning. Count it. Lovable. There it is. Yeah, remembered. All right. <laughs> I wrote it down. Please follow us on Twitter at Reels of Justice, Instagram Reels of Justice, and Facebook.com slash Reels of Justice.